Never stop asking questions. There's always something you can learn. Never turn an opportunity down and don't change yourself the higher up the ladder you get. Always be you. Hello, you are listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Today I've got a fellow Brit and Aussie (laughs) citizen with us, Eva Story. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you, Liam. I'm thrilled to be here. (laughs) So excited to chat to you. You have a wealth of knowledge to share with us and everybody's in for a treat today. So (laughs) let me tell you a little bit about Eva and then she's going to tell us all the things. But Eva, born and bred in Manchester in the UK, we're kindred spirits from the UK. And Eva (laughs) built an amazing 39 year international nursing experience where she built her career up to, you know, from nurse up to nurse leader and manager, now turned coach and founder of Eva Story coaching. I love how aligned we are and we're going to dive deep into that. Eva is also the proud host of the podcast Real Nurse Stories where she shares nursing career stories from across the board and we'll dive into that as well. But thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Without further ado, let's dive in and tell us a little bit about your nursing career story. Give us a bit of a snapshot of where you started and how you got to where you are today. All right. Well, first of all, thanks, William, for having me on the show. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to come and have a chat. So of thank course. you. So, okay, my career, started my career in the UK. I did my nurse training at Jimmy's in Leeds, which some people may remember was famous for being on the TV back then. They did a whole TV show on Jimmy's, as it was known. (laughs) Was that the name of it, Jimmy's? No, it said James's University, but they used to call it Jimmy's. So yeah, I started my training at 18, did three years of training, qualified and then moved back to Manchester pretty much straight away. Did kind of staff nurses, jobs, working night shift, went to Christie's, kind of moved around a little bit, had two children, so kind of worked fairly flexibly, did a lot of night shifts as you do when you have kids, Mm. and then kind of embarked on this journey of education. So my training was the traditional registered general nurse training. So at that point in time, which makes me sound very old, (laughs) (laughs) there wasn't kind of a degree entry or diploma entry training. So I did the traditional route, became very aware very quickly that if I wanted to progress in nursing, I would need to kind of up my game and really go and do some further education because it was around the time that universities were kind of shifting towards diploma degree Mm. level nurse training. So I started doing a diploma. I was working. I used to go and do a diploma after work, did that for two years. One thing led to another and I ended up doing or got accepted to do a degree in community health a specialist mm-hmm. practitioner course which nobody knew what that was back then <laughs> <laughs> so we did this amazing course that was supposed to equip us it's a bit like a nurse practitioner role I think mm-hmm. but no one really understood it back then but I came out with this qualification got a job in the community which I absolutely loved but yeah I wasn't necessarily using the skills that mm-hmm. I'd trained for and then kind of that's where my career started to take an interesting turn if you like because I 
was around working in community around about the time they were creating primary care trusts, which were new organisations in health. And there were lots of opportunities. And one of those was they were looking to put two nurses onto the executive committee. So Mm. the idea being that you would represent community nursing, but with that role came a specialist area. So I decided I was going to put my hat in the ring and apply for one of these jobs. So I did. I went through quite a tough interview process to be honest I didn't expect to get it but I did (laughs) (laughs) I then got through the first stage and then it had to go to voting so people had to vote so there were four of us four candidates I was one of them I think there was a nurse manager and a couple of other people and to my absolute utter amazement I was elected as this nurse representative so I had never worked on a committee. I knew nothing about committees. I'd never had any involvement in anything, even outside of this. <laughs> so I landed this role and remember the first day going along to this committee meeting and sitting there and thinking, I have not a clue why I'm here. I do not know. I don't know the processes, the procedures. I just don't know. Got in my car and drove home thinking, I'm going to have to resign. I can't do this. Negative self-talk, you know, going into overdrive. Anyway, long story short, through kind of a series of conversations, I got introduced to somebody who was recommended as a mentor to me. And this person absolutely changed my whole take on Mm -hmm. what I was there to do and helped me to see that actually why I was there was to bring my practical nursing knowledge to an executive table to help them make decisions about patient care so what started as a baptism of fire literally led me into this whole other world if you like of executive Mm. boards that I had yeah I learned an awful lot an awful lot and that was really the start of a journey into lots of different things in nursing so from there I kind of fast forward a few years, went into teaching. So I taught Mm. at uni, taught undergrad students and postgrad students all about lots of things to do with nursing. And then from there, had some experience with commissioning. So worked Mm. the Department of Health and the Strategic Health Authority, as it was then, in commissioning a GP-led health centre and new GP health centres in Manchester. So I learned a whole heap about commissioning and financing and all sorts of things mm. that you know you just don't ever imagine as a nurse you're going to have that experience yeah. so had all these kind of I want to say weird collection of skills because yeah. they are weird if you look at my cv you know and somebody once said that to me oh you've jumped around a lot haven't you and I went <laughs> well I don't see it as jumping around I see yeah. it as I've got all this you know, different experience. So all of my career up until me being in my late 40s was in the UK doing Mm. all these different things. And then I had the opportunity to go and work in Qatar, in Doha, Mm. where the World Cup's playing at the moment. I was successfully recruited as a director of nursing for the home healthcare service, which again was another leap of faith and another kind of, oh my God moment, what have I done? (laughs) Because... You know, I like to think that I knew quite a lot culturally about Mm. different things. And I realized I actually didn't know very much at all until Mm. I went to work there. So I had three years of fabulous experience, quite challenging, as you would imagine, as a woman working in a Middle Eastern country. 
and challenging in the sense that there were two sets of HR rules. So you'd have a set of HR rules for expats and a set Mm. of HR rules for nationals. So I had to navigate all the time this, you know, being careful because you have to be careful. And I think what I learned most from that role was how to have a difficult conversation Mm. in a respectful way that Mm. you could make a point without upsetting somebody. Yeah, And it was great experience, which stood me in good stead when I then came to Australia and was recruited for the role of a nurse director in the statewide rehabilitation service at Fiona Stanley Hospital here in Perth, mm. which in a lot of ways was all of that accumulated experience and knowledge kind of, I think I realised in that role how much that helped me to shape, not just me, but the team that I managed because a lot of the work that I did there was coaching them, really Mm. helping them to do some of the things that maybe they hadn't had exposure to or hadn't had somebody to teach them how to do it. So it's a bit like at times people used to laugh and say, oh, it's like a doctor's surgery, people sitting outside waiting to come. And it wasn't that they were in trouble. It was just generally, you know, there was something I was helping them with or something they'd want to ask me. Mm. And I really love that role, actually, because Mm. I think it's a real privilege to be a nurse leader. And I look very much on that role as a kind of a change agent you're there to Mm. help other people grow and develop their skills I never saw it as a long-term feet under the table job I've never seen any job as a Mm. feet under the table job but it was my opportunity to share a little bit of what I learned and help other people develop with the knowledge that you know that would finish I would go do something else and someone else would come along and impart their knowledge with a different take to me Mm. was how I looked at that and then kind of a series of events around there was some financial restructure went on in Perth and I went through a not so nice time in that my position was abolished and then Mm. I went through this process of being a redeployee which I'd never heard of till I came to Australia it was like (laughs) what's this about but I think the biggest shock for me Liam was I'd never been in a position where I'd applied for jobs and not either been shortlisted or got the job Mm. and suddenly here I was applying for jobs everywhere and not getting beyond literally the selection not you know getting to the first post even yeah wow and it it really psychologically messed with my head and I thought Mm. I can't keep doing this I don't know what I'm doing wrong I've never had this problem before and it was at that point that I really sat down and thought right okay I want to think about how I can use the skills that I've got in a different way and that's kind of really what drew me into coaching because Mm. I had I realized that I'd coached a lot of people informally as part of the roles I'd had, <laughs> but I hadn't had any formal coach training. So I went off and did professional life coach training with the Life Coaching Academy here in Australia, and then set off on a mission to set up my own business. Mm. Um, predominantly, my passion was to work with nurses, so to offer coaching to nurses, because I know and knew what difference it could make. Mm. And what difference it had made to me, you know, as part of learning to coach, you obviously coached yourself. And I saw that there was a massive gap in how do we support nurses 
before they get to that point of stress, overwhelm and burnout, that's too late. Mm. You know, what is it that we can do back nearer the point where stress starts to affect people that helps them to understand mindset, what tools can they have in the toolbox, makes such a big difference to people. And that's really, you know, what drove me to focus my business around supporting nurses. And that's, mm. That is my mission to make coaching accessible to nurses. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my goodness, there's so much I want to ask you that I didn't <laughs> know before you came on. And this is why it's great when people come <laughs> on and they tell their story. Oh my goodness. So, so much experience. One thing I want to jump onto is the ability for you, you to allow yourself to just go and do something without knowing the how. I think yes. this comes up a lot, right, in coaching and specifically in the work that we do here is like people say to us, well, I can't do that because I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> and I just yeah. love that you just constantly continue to push yourself and that you gave yourself permission yeah. without knowing the how. Yeah. Why do you think that was, quote unquote, I say easy, obviously in the moment it's not easy, but why do you think you were so attuned to doing that? I think when I look back, it wasn't that I actively sought that. It was more that opportunities came along. So it was often at points in my career where I wasn't sure what was coming next. And somebody would say to me, oh, you know, there's a role coming up. So the commissioning role, somebody mm. actually said to me, oh, you know, if you're interested, there's this role coming up in commissioning. And I, I didn't know the first thing about commissioning, Liam. I honestly didn't. <laughs> but I was thinking, well you know, that's not a bad thing to learn more about because I knew at the time that there were lots of changes. This was in the UK in health mm. and that actually those were probably good skills to have. Yeah. So it was kind of a, well, why not approach? Yeah. You know? yeah. Because you can always learn something. And I think that's probably been my biggest takeaway from all my experience, as scary as it was at times, and it was scary, mm. perfectly honest, there was always something that I learned that helped me when I moved on again. So nothing was ever wasted. Nothing was ever, you know, and I can never kind of never thought about a job with regret. So for mm. example, I worked in operating theatres for a while and I didn't like that because it, you know, people were asleep. <laughs> it was like, I like talking to people, but I learned a lot and yeah. I've always taken that approach really there's something you can learn here yeah I think sometimes our own beliefs hold us back you know to, to believe that you can't do something because you've never done it before or you've no experience you know part of what I would say is well how do you know that mm. how do you know that this could not you know might not be a fabulous opportunity that could lead to something that you never expected and could totally. change your life yeah it's about us just allowing ourselves to explore what could be possible right yeah. and I think yeah. we spend so much time looking at what like we've done in the past and that kind of we use that to create our future instead yeah. of being like oh my god curious about it and it sounds yeah. like you saw an opportunity and you were super opportunistic which I love <laughs> and you were just like well what have I got to lose yes what's exactly. the worst case scenario here I stay where I am or I get a new job yeah amazing yeah and I, I love that message. So thank you for sharing it. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was around the power of the mentor. You mentioned that there was a mentor mm -hmm. that really changed the trajectory. Why do you think it's important for nurses to have mentors? 
I think having the mentor that I had at that point in my career and in my life, I'd never had a mentor up until that point. And I didn't really understand how mentorship could help. I just remember turning up at this person's office. <laughs> I was like, I can remember saying, you know, I've got all these things I need to read and I don't know where to start. And blah, 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 just like, and she looked at me and she said, right, where are all these things you've got to read? So I brought out this great big pile, I kid you not, put it on her desk. And she went, she picked it up and she put them in the bin. And I was like, no, 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 don't do that. I've got to read them all. She said, no, you haven't. She said, they're staying in that bin. She said, tell me why you have got this job, this role, this executive role. And I said, well, I've no idea. That's why I've come to see you because I'm struggling. And she said, no, you do know. And I'm looking at her thinking, I don't know what she's, where she's, what she's trying to get at here. And she said, what do you do every day? I said, well, I work as a community nurse. And she said, and what do you do as a community nurse? I said, well, I care for people in the community. So she said, exactly. She said, mm -hmm. that's what you bring to the table. She said, all of that stuff, yes, you can read it if you want to read it. She said, but the reason you're there is because you bring that knowledge, skill, patient insight to that discussion at exec level. That's why mm -hmm. you've been put there. Yeah. And I can remember the penny dropping thinking, I had not thought of it that way. And it made me, working with her really made me see things from a different perspective. She was a fabulous clinician. She had a lot of experience. She was, you know, we got on really well. We stayed in touch long after our mentorship finished. And I honestly think, Liam, if I hadn't had mentorship at that point, I probably wouldn't have stuck with that role because mm. it was so scary. Mm. And you know, mentorship is just such a powerful tool to have in your toolbox that helps to keep a perspective on mm. what's going on and challenges you, you know, challenges you thinking a bit. And, you know, I like to say it's holding the mirror up. So, you know, sometimes we get in our own heads too much and it's challenging that to help you to see where you need to grow and it's something that I do I, I mentor students for the from the Australian College of Nursing so mm. I give back some of my time for free to them for that mm. reason because mentorship in nursing is really important it's not something you hear a lot about something I always encourage nurses to do coaching is a bit different mm. two things get mixed up mm. so Coaching is kind of more, as you will know, Liam, it's forward facing. It's it's helping someone to set goals and then holding them accountable. Whereas mentorship is more about imparting some of your knowledge, if you like, experience and wisdom and helping someone to develop and grow their skills. Mm -hmm. So there's, mm -hmm. there are slight differences. But I would say to anybody who's, you know, doesn't matter where you are in your career, whether you're a grad, whether you're someone who's many years experience in nursing, a mentor can really help you, especially if you're new to a role. 
Yeah, I love that so much. I think that a lot of us do try something new and then because of that lack of support, we don't continue with it, like you said. Yeah. And it kind of breaks my soul a little bit when I think about that, right? That people don't get the support that they need moving forward. Is that something that you've noticed is more prominent here versus the UK or is it pretty kind of global in your experience? Do you want to feel better as a nurse, learn how to manage your negative self-talk, improve your confidence, prevent and reduce burnout and build your nursing career on your terms? If I'm hearing a big fat yes, our high performance nursing membership is perfect for you. Come and join me and our amazing community of high performance nursing members every week for live life and career changing coaching and access to so much more within our community. Our goal is to help you rekindle your love with yourself and your passion for nursing. You can join us at liamcaswell.com forward slash HPNM. Come and join the community today and let's build that nursing career on your terms. I think I have noticed it here. So certainly I did some work during COVID in a vaccination service here and a lot of the grads really struggled with the transition from that service to a role on a ward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I talk to people all the time, Liam, and I I generally say, you know, how are you going? And, And what I was hearing was lack of support, thrown in the deep end, not prepared for how hard or how challenging it would be. And sadly, you know, I'd hear stories like I, I, somebody said to me, I was one of the most senior nurses on the floor. And this was a grad who was not even a year out of grad. Yeah, wow. You know, and you think we've taken out. So I speak mainly because I'm obviously in Perth. So there was this kind of cost-saving exercise to take out some of the senior levels of nursing and I think we didn't really consider how you grow the next generation of leaders Mm. so how Mm. do you impart some of that skills knowledge and experience to the up-and-coming leaders so and I know that that's happened in the UK same thing they've taken out a whole you know whole layers of experienced staff so the NHS is running on very junior staff and that must be incredibly difficult because Mm. if I look back there was always somebody senior that you could go to for advice or support or just to check out you know is this okay Am, am I doing this right if you don't have that and you don't have the breadth and depths of knowledge and experience, that must mm-hmm. be terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I think what that does is push up stress and burnout. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I think this is where we both focus, right, in delivering coaching to nurses, midwives, is helping them navigate the non-clinical side. Because as clinicians, we're set up, right? We have all the things. It's so easy to go out and get the clinical things. If you're short on cannulation skills, you can book a course and you get it done in a day. You know, if you need to do your ALS, there's plenty of providers. But when it comes to being a human that nurses... It's a totally different ball game, yeah. and that is the missing piece, in my yeah. opinion. And that's yeah. what I'm hearing from you with all your amazing experiences. That we just don't focus enough on how can you fully embrace the human aspect of you as an individual yeah. and bring that into your nursing and yeah. manage it because stress, overwhelm, and all of those things 
they're not necessarily clinical issues. Yeah, for sure, there's clinical pressures, but yeah. it's about how we cognitively manage all of those yeah. pressures, right? Yeah. In our day-to-day life. It's so funny, the story that you just talked through, like your experience and getting to that place where you were being rejected, like from applications. I literally just recorded a, a podcast about that and about my <laughs> experience. And it's so interesting that I think, especially as high performers, you're driven individuals mm. that are trying to build their career. When we get that first no or that first rejection or that it can seem like the end of the world right cognitively and we go to this place and I'm wondering if that's what a lot of our nurses and grads are experiencing because we're taught from day one that you can't stuff up you can't fail you can't mess up our patients need to be safe and we're basically saying that and neglecting our own safety um, in the process because it's impossible right for us to deliver 100% a plus care all of the time especially without senior nursing leaders. It's incredible. It's crazy. So talk to us about your director of nursing experience. I know there's lots of very high performing driven individuals that listen to this podcast and they've got big plans, big (laughs) big dreams. I was one of them until I got to nurse unit manager and went, but you really put it in a positive light. So talk to us about director of nursing roles and what that looks like. like. Tell us a bit more about what you would do day to day in those kind of roles. I think there's a difference between nursing in the Middle East and nurse director here. So the two are probably similar. They just call them different things. Mm. So if I refer probably to nurse director roles as opposed to director of nursing, I think the biggest difference for a nurse director role is that you are engaged at an executive level. So you are working with, obviously, the exec team, the board, the finance team. And it is, it's high pressure, high power. There's a lot of responsibility. But there's also opportunities. And I think that's where a lot of people are put off by going higher up into nursing. And I don't think that should be the case. I think if you set yourself up for success and part of that is mentorship coaching Mm. knowing and understanding yourself knowing your skills knowing where your development lies and if you're clear about that and you almost have a plan as to okay what are the things that I need to learn that will enable me to do this role well as well as shadowing so getting Mm. a feel for what the different roles in exec are how they function And talking to people about expectations, what are the expectations of you in that Mm. role? Because often we don't go there, we take the role, we're not really sure, a bit like my (laughs) baptism of fire, you know, my learning with hindsight was, okay, we can talk to people, we can go and ask the chief exec, you know, what what are your expectations of me? And I have actually asked that question Mm. at interview and it... (laughs) you get interesting responses yeah to i can imagine because <laughs> most people there's a bit of paper shuffling and a bit of squirming on chairs because that you know they're not used to people being that direct but if you're going for a senior role i want to know mm. part of my you know this is not about all about me being assessed it's also about me assessing do i really totally. want this job and yeah. do i want to work here So I want to know, what are your expectations of me in the first 12 months? Because Mm. that tells me a lot about you. So I think never be afraid to ask questions. That's something, again, that I've learned in lots of roles. And I've had people say to me, you know, finance team, 
I used to always go saying, I don't understand this. Can you please explain it to me? Mm. And they'd laugh and they'd say, well, you're the only person that ever comes and asks all these questions. But that's how you learn. That's how you learn. Yeah. And it's how it should be. (laughs) Yeah. There's no shame in not knowing. And Mm. we need to lose that. You know, there's a lot of, I think in nursing, in senior roles, there's a lot of imposter syndrome because you go from a clinician where you're confident you know we've mm. touched on that you you know where you can go for training your clinical skills are excellent the higher up you go the more removed you are from that and it's a whole different skill set then that kicks in yeah and yeah. you know that I think is what a lot of nurses who are new to very senior roles struggle with and there's not a lot of openness about that Liam in terms mm. of I feel like an imposter. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, free falling here, flying by the seat of my pants. Mm. And that causes a lot of stress and anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. So to come back to the mentorship and the coaching, these are tools that can help you navigate that because everybody feels like that. Mm. You know, people, Mm. some people don't admit it. Some people have a very tough exterior and that's how they manage it. So Mm. they're not particularly approachable. Some people are approachable and honest. My experience is not often do people say, Mm. you know, honestly, but I think it's an opportunity to influence. And that's the other thing I would say, you know, the roles I've had, I have always advocated for nursing and for patient care and sometimes that's got me in hot water because Mm. I've had to learn how to do that in a way that makes the point without kind of people thinking now here we go again you know always back to patients I exaggerate Mm. that but Mm. you Mm. get the idea you can have a conversation in a respectful way part of that is doing your homework so having your facts having the data to support whatever it is you want to ask for or say so that you present as professional and informed and you can hold your own you Mm -hmm. can present you can question you can argue you know to question I think again somebody once said to me you know there's no such thing as a daft question and I have Mm -hmm. really used that all the time Mm -hmm. you know if I don't know I'll ask I'm not ashamed to ask that's how I learn yeah, totally. And we hold ourselves back by thinking, oh, we can't ask that because people will think, you know, that we're not knowing what we should know mm. or it's about how we appear to people. But truth be known, probably everyone else sitting around the table is asking the same thing, but no one's asking the question. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> so interesting that you say that because isn't it interesting that we, if we had staff on the floor that were not being vulnerable and asking questions and being open and were making mistakes and maybe, you know, doing things that weren't, weren't right, we yeah. would so quickly pick them up yeah. and we would be like, hey, let's have a chat and we'd have a whole cycle and a process for them. What I've seen to be true at the higher levels, you know, as I built my own career, is that people really do struggle with that transition because you're an amazing clinician, like you said, yeah. you move into this role and everything is exposed. You don't want to be vulnerable. There's no openness. No. Uh, you've got your guard up. You know, Brene Brown talks about that. Like, you know, you put on your your bodysuit and you're yeah. not open to anything because you've got the resistance. Yeah. And then from there, it's just a spiral, right? Yeah. And we have burnt out leaders that are buffering, that are yeah. not enjoying their work, that are creating toxic cultures. Yeah. And if that's how you show up, how did the staff show up? Yeah. 
how do they deliver the care? I truly think that the work that you do in this space is integral for us to be able to build positive cultures. I was thinking about this recently. I'd love to know what you think about this, but in your experience, that the thoughts that the leader have and that they hold and the beliefs that they have about what's possible in their teams directly impacts the results that their teams end up creating. And it's so, it came to me, I was sitting here the other day and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, holy crap, you know, if you believe as a nurse unit manager that your team cannot get to zero falls, which I did whilst I worked in geriatric rehab because it seemed so unachievable, of course my team are not going to go out and create that result because they're not going from an empowered thought and empowered feeling instead they're like well Liam thinks that it's it's not achievable so I'm just gonna run with that oh my goodness think of all of the things oh we you know we're one short today the language that we use as leaders and the lack of insight and and acceptance and awareness that we have around how that impacts people what do you think it would look like if we really truly embodied coaching in healthcare at a leadership level Ah, you see, that's just such a great question, Liam, because, you know, as you were talking then, let me give you an example, which perhaps puts it into context, because I think we tend to think about coaching at a senior level, okay? I tend to see coaching as something that should be accessible no matter where you are, so from a grad all the way up to, you know, director of nursing When I worked in the nurse director role here in Perth, the team of senior nurses that I managed had never been involved in overseeing quality projects. Okay. So, of course, we have the national standards Mm. and, you know, we ward staff were involved in doing lots of audits and it was a bit of a chore for them. They were like, you know, roll of eyes, here we go again, another audit kind of thing. And it became clear that it was just going through the process. It wasn't really, you know, so my head, why are we doing an audit? We should only be doing an audit if we're learning from it and going back into practice and implementing whatever we found through the audit and made some changes. So it became very clear very quickly that a lot of the senior nurses I was managing hadn't had exposure to quality projects. So on a ward level, so take falls, for example, mm. you know, with filling in the datix forms, why do we fill the datix forms in? Well, we fill them in because we look for trends. Who's looking at the trends? Well, the safety quality team are looking mm. at the trends. So question then becomes, so why are the ward staff not getting that information and looking at the trends? Because surely that would make more sense if you're looking at who's falling, what time of day, where are they falling? Mm. Then those questions start to generate. So what can we do about this? How can we set some targets around Mm. reducing the number of falls in a day? So essentially what we did was set up all these different quality groups that were aligned to the national standards. And I said said to the NUMS, I said, okay, I'm going to share the data with you. So you know, pick the things that come up most frequently on your ward. So things like falls, pressure injuries, medication errors, I think were the top three. So they get that data. And then I asked them to assign one of the floor nurses to almost create a small standards team to look Mm. at that. 
So what I want you to do is give them the data and you're going to have to oversee it and to ask them to unpick it. So to look at it, understand it, and then come up with some suggestions about how can we try and make an impact on this? I simplify it because there was a lot of work went into yep. that. But the end result of that, Liam, it was probably one of the most rewarding things to see because suddenly the staff are coming to me with projects and ideas and can mm. we try this and we unpick this and we think this might be happening and we really want to try this. So to be able to enable that as a leader and give them permission to say, okay, yes, you can go and try it. There has to be some safety things in place Mm. but you need to come back and update me regularly and tell me if there's any problems Mm. and you know that took probably a good two years to get that up and running but it changed the landscape from Mm. you know why are we doing this don't want to do it roll of the eyes to suddenly being engaged in that it was meaningful for them because they were starting to understand it wasn't just about ticking the day ticks box. It was how do we make a difference? And that's the bit that's so often missed. You know, why do we do it? Mm. As leaders, we have a responsibility. You take your team with you. You show yeah. them there's the direction. That's why we're going there. That's why mm. we're doing this. Because ultimately, we want it to be a positive patient experience. We don't want someone to fall out of bed and break the hip. Yes, it's going to happen sometimes and we need to learn from that. And, you know, so much sometimes in healthcare is removed from the floor, as I call it, and it shouldn't be. We should be active partners in understanding these things at a floor level. And to me, that's part of coaching. That's Mm. not kind of as a leader, you're coaching, you're growing those skills. And that comes with the role. I guess is what long-winded answer, but it's so important. The other thing that did was foster this sense of almost like inquiry. You know, how can we, how can we, it was a a bit competitive Mm. as well. (laughs) You know, it kind of got competitive between the other wards out, you know, who was doing better, but that that didn't really matter. It was healthy competition, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So just simple things like asking why, you know, and really helping realign the team. So integral. And why is such a powerful question? Mm -hmm. People underestimate the power of why. So I love that you mentioned that. And then curiosity. Yes. Just allowing people to get creative. I think that's one of the things that for me was stripped from being a nurse unit manager. I wasn't yeah. up at the Don level or the nursing director level, but creativity was like removed from the role, right? And I had to find opportunities to be creative because it's one of my yeah. highest values. And I saw that across my colleagues at the same level. And yeah. we're all like, Deepen the data, deepen the roster with all these inefficient processes that don't speak to each other. And I'm like, how can I get creative? So I got creative with our quality improvement boards and, you know, made it all jazzy. And because <laughs> and, we spent every day yeah. there, right? We stood there every yeah. day. It's where we started our shift. We yeah. looked and reflected on our numbers and we, you know, took a moment to be proud of what we'd achieved. And I think that at the nurse unit manager level and maybe above, there's a lack of just strategic direction overall, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. In my experience here, having worked across a different a couple of different states and territories, we outsource the direction externally, which maybe is the maybe is a great way to do it. But it's so simple, really, when you look at it on paper. Yeah. Let's yeah. have some goals. Let's align it. Let's yeah. delegate them. Yeah. And let's set up some data to, to measure yeah. and then take it from there. Yeah. But it seems to be super difficult. <laughs> well, and I think it is, you know, it's again, it's a leap of faith. It's trusting people. It's saying, okay have a go at this 
you mm. know but you have the boundaries there you know because obviously healthcare you have to be careful yeah. Yeah. but it's it's trusting your team and I think as a nurse leader you know what I, you touched on it before what I see a lot of people doing is holding the power within yeah. so you know it's seen as well I'm holding on to this knowledge and power because I'm a leader and it gives mm. that sense of importance but well, I totally disagree with that because being a leader is about doing the opposite. It's about empowering your team, empowering your staff, allowing them to be involved, let them be creative to a point, let them mm. come up with solutions because, you know, our teams have good solutions and that should be the avenue that it comes up through the senior levels and we shouldn't be trying to squash that. Because yeah. all you're doing when you squash it is demotivating a team. You're mm. not allowing them to be creative you're not tapping into that collective knowledge you're stifling their growth really yeah yeah totally yeah and I think it's about looking and seeing who you have in your team right and looking at their zones of genius yeah tapping into that and I think recognizing at a a manager level leader level even though you might be specialized in something you kind of become a generalist you've got to do lots of different things So even if you're an ICU specialist or community nurse specialist, you've got to kind of remove that hat and then put on the NAM or the leader or the whatever hat and look at it through a different lens. And that's where coaching and mentorship is is super phenomenal at helping you look at it through a different lens. So I love that. Or we could talk about leadership forever, but (laughs) I want to dive into your coaching and the coaching, Eva Story coaching and what you do in this space. So tell us about coaching and how coaching changed your life. Because I know there was a pivotal Mm. moment where you got coaching and what you do and what you offer to nurses. Mm. I think that's really, when I started to do my coach training, part of that training was having access to coaching and I had got very stuck in my head if you like around what I was going to do I'd started my training I'd left a role as I described earlier and I kind of fell into this bit of a hole what's mm. a better word and I really was stuck and I had a coaching session with this person who was my mentor came became my mentor And she really challenged my thinking and made me see that actually what was holding me back was my own thought processes and that the feeling of being stuck was created in my head and Mm. it didn't necessarily have to be that way. And I think the biggest, what I call aha moment, was when she helped me to see that I had all this skill and experience and knowledge and that could be put to use in a different way. It didn't necessarily have to be imparted in the way that it had been. Mm -hmm. And I can remember sitting there and thinking I had never even thought about that. Mm -hmm. So it set me off on this almost energized (laughs) oh my god you know how come I didn't think about this until now but actually it wasn't that she told me what to do it was that she helped me to see where I was stuck and a way out of that Mm -hmm. and it was such a powerful experience you know and I, I really reflected on that whole time it wasn't a positive time leading up to the coaching but beyond coaching I really kind of made me think about how many nurses must be in the same position that I was in and I thought of myself as somebody who was quite resilient and it kind of you know was a difficult time for me and the reflection was if somebody wasn't as resilient or didn't have 
the tools in the toolbox that I'd had and the Mm. access to coaching that I'd had, how would they cope with that? And the difference that having a coach to do exactly what had happened for me could make to that person. And if we could stop one person ending up in that horrible place of being burnt out, absent from the profession because they have to take time out to recover, don't always come back. That has to be something that is of benefit to the nursing profession. What's been interesting has been the lack of understanding, not so much from nurses, but from senior people in health who equate or seem to equate coaching with poor performance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How interesting. There's been a fair bit of education, you know, on my part about how coaching can help. I write about coaching a lot. um, Mm. But it's interesting that there is this perception that people do think coaching is around performance. And I guess in a roundabout way, it kind of is, but in a positive way, it's Mm -hmm. about your development and growing your skills and the kinds of things that people come to me with. Sometimes they, you know, what they think that they need help with isn't, isn't actually, you know, what transpires to be what they do need help with so kinds of things like imposter syndrome lack of confidence there's a lot around taking work home how to switch off from work how to have boundaries work-life balance but you know coaching can be whatever the person wants to be coached Mm -hmm. on it it doesn't have to be work related it's whatever the person wishes to set a goal around Mm and then be coached on and help them to achieve that goal. So I choose to work with nurses because I recognize they don't have access to that. They have to pay for to be coached by me. It would be great if organizations would, Mm. you know, start to look at, okay. And I think this is where the NHS are kind of moving more in that space in the post COVID world. They seem Mm. to be looking at more supportive ways so clinical coaching is something that I've heard being talked about and I know Mm. there is access to coaching through the NHS Leadership Academy Australia doesn't seem to be really thinking proactively and interesting I'm just in the process of writing an article for LinkedIn and it's all about you know the state of nursing at the moment Mm. and again I, I think not enough attention is being paid to it's not all about pay yes pay pay is important but you know gone are the days where a cupcake on nurses day Mm. as a thank you you know was acceptable it's not anymore we have to move beyond that we absolutely have to have or have to give nurses tools in the toolbox. So how to have a difficult conversation, how to manage conflict, how to set boundaries, how do you challenge in a way that people are going to listen? Those are the kinds of things Mm. that nurses need coaching and help with. If we're going to make any dent in the numbers of nurses who are leaving the profession, I don't want to see that. I think it's hugely, you know, detrimental to health. Mm. to see so many mm. people leave why are we not jumping up and down about that yeah it's like this tsunami of people who are just post-covid have had enough i get that i totally mm. get that my mm. question to healthcare organizations is what are we doing about it 
because those healthcare organizations that address it will be the employers that people want Mm. to work for in the future Mm. and the ones Mm. that don't are not and it's going to be competitive totally so Yeah, I think sorry, you raised, no, so no, no, I love all of that. And you raise so many valid points there in the sense that, you know, we're throwing money at this problem now. Like, yeah, I'm seeing lots of incentives and I'm seeing a lot of talk online around, you know, when we get ratios, it's going to be better. And when we get more money, it's going to be better. Yeah. And I think what we're doing or what we've been condi- conditioned to do as humans is think that external things are going to fix the internal problems. Yeah, no. And you and I have both been on that path and journey. Yeah. So if you're listening and you think that these things are going to fix it, they're going to help for sure, but they're not going to change no. the world. And it's it's all about the inner work, right? And it's about us gifting ourselves that experience to become the highest version of ourselves because we can all manage the nursing industry. Yeah. We can manage the work. We yeah. are amazing, resilient human be- beings. What we can't do is do it without the tools. No. It's, it's, no. it's just that simple, right? Isn't it? We can't do it without the tools and without the support. And this is where we we're gonna be in a situation where people are lit, like you say, people are gonna have, you know, very limited options for employers of choice. Yeah. And those employers that do have it are gonna be inundated. But this yeah. is why it's so important, right? That people really do ask those questions that you were talking about earlier yeah. in the process. Find out what they do to support you. Yeah. How, what does your staff support program look like? And like yeah. you say, they'll probably roll their eyes and they don't know because they don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because I've started to see, and admittedly more in the private sector, some very clever advertising on some of the buses around Perth, around work-life balance, come and work mm. with us. This is what you get. And, and you know, this is the point of difference. If you're a nurse and you are struggling and you've had a really rough time in the last two years with COVID, all Mm. things COVID, and you see that on your way home from work on the side of a bus, you're going to think, hey, this is for me. They're going to look after me. You know, that's the point of difference. And I guess the litmus test is, does that actually in reality happen? Mm. If it does, well, take my hat off to organizations that really do invest in that because that is what's going to make the difference. Mm, yeah. Um, How can we as clinicians offer that to ourselves? Yeah. How can you allocate a percentage of your income every year to gift back to yourself? Yes. You know, we're so good at doing that ALS course five times in a row when we don't really need to top it up, right? No. Uh, how can we use that money and invest in our most precious asset, which is our brain? Yes. Right? And that's the thing that's going to stop you from getting where you want to go is your brain. Yeah. It's the thoughts that you have about whether it's possible for you or not. And that's why I love coaching and the work that you do, because coaching for me is all about possibility. It's about just playing with the possibility that you could totally transform your life. How Absolutely. (laughs) No good. I love it. Well, I'm conscious of your time and so grateful. There's so much that we could talk about, but I wanted to finish up with a couple of rapid fire questions for you yeah. to learn a bit more about you but so so excited that we collaborated and this is not going to be the last time <laughs> that you're on this podcast for sure I hope you want to come back so yeah definitely if you could change one thing about, I think I know the answer to this but if you could change one thing about nurse leadership in particular what would it be <laughs> coaching coaching I love it yay we're not advertising at all <laughs> no, no, no. no genuinely genuinely yeah, I no. do mean that 
it I makes think this such is the a thing. difference. Yeah, like we believe it so deeply. And I think what's interesting in the coaching space is that we all have such strong belief in it that yeah. we know that it's going to take decades probably, but we're here for it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it's fine. We're here. Yeah. We'll be here. We're not going um, anywhere. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> and we'll be sitting here saying, told you so. No, we won't because we'll be very positive about it. What advice would you give new graduate nurse Eva when she first started out? Reflecting back, what advice would you give her? Never stop asking questions. There's always something you can learn. Never turn an opportunity down and don't change yourself the higher up the ladder you get. Always be you. I just got goosebumps. I love that so much. <laughs> I'm sure little Eva would have loved that. New graduate Eva. So good. <laughs> Final question. Upon reflection this year, what are you celebrating? What are you most proud of in your life and career? This year, I think we were talking earlier before we went live, there's been challenges obviously around COVID because, you know, I think that's impacted on people's ability to have the headspace for coaching. Mm. So I'm proud of the work that I do, Liam. I advocate, you know, the, the benefit of working for myself is I can probably be a bit more vocal than if I was employed. Mm. I'd have to tell that I'd be more. I have certain freedoms in that regard to kind of say things which I am passionate about I I think I'm proud of my family my work-life balance that's probably been the biggest difference for me leaving a high-powered role you realize how much flexibility you have I miss the teams I miss working Mm. with the team and the camaraderie and but you know there's always ways to go back and do the odd shift so Mm. I still get that fixed I love that. And for those listening that think or tell themselves the story that, you know, if I leave a clinical job, I can't go back. Eva's living proof. You use those skills at every level of your career. It is not true and factual. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So where can people find out more about you? Where can they come follow you, get in touch with you for coaching? Yep. So I have a website, which is evastory.com. So you can find me there, find all about me. There's a contact form there. I have podcast real nurse stories if you want to have a listen to those. Yeah. So I'm pretty much everywhere on social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I have a, a nurses group, the resilient, I can't remember what it's called now, resilient <laughs> nurse, I think it's called. <laughs> so yeah, just put me into Google and you'll find me. <laughs> Fabulous, Dr. Google or Nurse Google. Nurse um, Google. <laughs> we'll make sure that all of the details are in the show notes. But Eva, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being a voice for nursing oh. and thank you for everything that you do. Thank you, Liam. It's been been a pleasure. Look we forward are, to next time. <laughs> yeah, we are just getting started, people. <laughs> All righty, I'll see you soon. All right, see you soon. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out our High Performance Nursing Membership, my monthly coaching program where we take what we teach in this podcast and we take it to the next level to help you thrive as a high performance human and a nurse. Join us at liamcaswell.com forward slash HPNM. I would love to see you in there. I'll see you in coaching.